0: We will now read the first lesson taken from the first chapter of Acts. In those days Peter stood up among the believers together the crowd numbered about 120 persons and said friends the scripture had to be fulfilled which the Holy Spirit through David foretold concerning Judas who became a guide for those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered among us and was allotted his share in this ministry. So one of the men who have accompanied us during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from one of these must become a witness with us to his resurrection. So they proposed to Joseph called Barsabas, who was also known as Justus, and Matthias. Then they prayed and said, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which one of these two have you have chosen to take the place in this ministry and apostleship, from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. And they cast lots for him and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was added to the eleven apostles. Here ends the first lesson. We will now read Psalm 1 responsibly. Happy are they who have not walked in the counsel of the wicked, nor lingered in the way of sinners, nor sat in the seats of the scornful. Their delight is is in the the law of the Lord, Lord, and they meditate on his law day and night. night trees planted by streams of water bearing fruit in due season, with leaves that do not wither, everything they do shall prosper.
1: It It is not not so with the wicked, wicked. they are like like chaff, chaff, which the wind wind blows away. away.
0: Therefore the wicked shall not stand upright when judgment comes, nor the sinner in the counsel of the righteous.
1: For the Lord Lord knows knows the way of of the righteous. righteous. But the, the way, way of the, the wicked, wicked is,
0: doomed. is doomed. We will now read the second lesson taken from the fifth chapter of First John. If we received human testimony, the testimony of God is greater, for this is the testimony of God that he has testified to his Son. Those who believe in the Son of God have the testimony in their hearts. Those who do not believe in God have made him a liar by not believing in the testimony that God has given concerning his son. And this is the testimony God gave us internal life, and this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. Here ends the second lesson.
1: Would you rise, please, for the reading of the Holy Gospel. The Holy Gospel according to John in the 17th chapter. Jesus prayed, I have made your name known to those whom you have gave me from the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you have given me is from you. The words that you gave me I have given to them, and they have received them, and know that in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am asking on their behalf. I am not asking on behalf of the world, but on behalf of those whom you gave me, because they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I have been glorified in them. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself so that they also may be sanctified in truth. The Gospel of the Lord. Hallelujah, Christ is risen. Christ is risen Grace to you and peace, my sisters and brothers, from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. And then there was religion class. Although, if truth be told, every waking moment of every day was religion class for the good nuns who helped raise me in the orphanage where I spent most of my childhood. Sister Zita, Sister Alphage, Sister raylena by the way, I'm not making these names up. They were their names. All had a part in molding me and shaping my identity as a Christian. In that thick Irish brogue that they all seemed to have, they would instruct us young boys about the benefits of living a good Christian life. But they didn't do that by talking about the love of Jesus, the goodness of God, or the benefits of the Holy Spirit. Instead, they would share with us the stories of those great saints and martyrs who have given their lives for the faith. As the good sisters would say regularly, if only I could be like St. Peter, crucified upside down on the cross. Or those early Christians fed to the lions or burned alive as torches on crosses. Or St. Simon, who was scourged to death. Or St. Lawrence, who was shot through with arrows. Or St. Polycarp, who was burned to death. And Justin, who was beheaded. Shaking their heads and wagging their fingers, the sisters would urge us to imitate the lives of these holy saints. Now, I must admit that with all that blood and gore, I'm surprised that any of us children made it into adulthood without becoming emotional wrecks. Although although I'm also glad that my wife is not here. She's a psychologist by training, and she might have a different view about my emotional state. (laughs) But if these were stories of death and destruction, the sisters also share with us stories about other saints and holy ones that sometimes seemed just plain weird. There were stories of those who would beat themselves with whips, those who lived in caves for years and years and years, those who would bathe in ice-cold water, even in the depths of winter, and those who could be seen in two places at one time. My favorite story, however, was one about Simon Stylites, a Christian who lived around the 5th century, a man who loved his Lord, but did not love the world. So he found a pole about 150 feet high, and he climbed up it, and he stayed there for the next 40 years. And By doing so, Simon atta- attracted a great deal of attention. The local people supplied him with food, clothing, and the other essentials of life. They expressed their admiration for this man who was content to sit up on his pole, apart from the world, away from society, cut off from human contact. Now, since the beginning of our faith, many have felt the same urge to escape from this world. Along with other religions, we Christians have our fair share of men and women who've gone off into the desert, or the deep woods and shut themselves up in a monastery or a hermitage. But nobody, nobody had a Paul like Simon. Nobody else lived in such a unique way, cut off from any other group, small or large, living in splendid isolation. But it's strange for we humans are by nature, social animals and one of our deepest desires is to belong to something or to someone. Being a part of a group, a cult, a sports team, a fraternity, a social organization, a club, or just a group of friends, being part of a group meets some of our most basic social needs. The question therefore is not whether we belong, but to whom or to what. Do we belong? Jesus knew to whom he belonged, his father. Getting ready to leave his disciples to go to his suffering and death, Jesus shares with them some of his most profound words of parting in this long prayer, part of which we read in John's Gospel today. It's called the High Priestly Prayer. He speaks to these men and women whom he knows will soon feel very lost and abandoned. He knows that in following him their lives have been changed forever and that they no longer fit into the world from which they came. He knows that having experienced their new life in him, the world will now think that they are different and maybe even hate them because of who they are because of what they share. And so he prays for them to the Father, asking God to protect them as they venture out into the world, a world to which they no longer belong, but in which they must still live. My sisters and brothers, the words of Jesus this morning remind us once again that it is to him that we belong and not to this world. Yet at the same time, We are to live in this world. I am no longer in this world, says Jesus, but they are in the world. We are to live in this world, for Jesus himself has sent us out into this world. As you have sent me into the world, he prays, so I have sent them into the world. We are to live in this world. Simon sat atop his pole in splendid isolation, cut off from the rest of the world around him, existing as though these things that happened around him were not of his concern. Yet even he was not truly apart from the world, dependent as he was upon those in the world to feed and sustain him, even as he tried to live above and apart from the world. My sisters and brothers, we are not called to live on top of a pole. but Rather, we are called to live in this world. We cannot flee from this world. We cannot hide away. We cannot pretend that it does not exist. Simon lived on his pole, but all it did in the end was get him 150 feet above the world in which he still lived, even if he refused to recognize and accept it. We've been called to follow Jesus, but this does not mean hiding away from the world. We've been called to follow Jesus, but all that does is send us right back into the middle of the world with all its aches and its pains, its aggravations, its persecutions, and even its hatreds, or worse, or worse, its indifference for us. We have been called to follow Jesus, but all that does is plunge us back into the life of this world with all the vigor and engagement that Jesus showed in his own life. It is true that even while we live in the world, our true residence is elsewhere, that we are resident aliens in this world, living in it, but belonging to another place called heaven. We are exiles in this world, strangers and foreigners in this earth, always waiting to return to our homeland. We live in this world, but we are sustained by the promise that we belong elsewhere and that in the end, this faithful inheritance will be ours. I think Simon Steliti got it wrong. He tried to flee from the world, while Jesus is sending him back into that same world. With the power of God's holy word, with the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, with the promised grace of the sacraments, we, my sisters and brothers, we are called to enter fully into this world and bear with us the truth of Christ Jesus our Lord. And We cannot do this. We cannot do this if we remove ourselves from the world, hiding out, literally or figuratively on a pole high above the ground. This does not mean that we should not be different. Simon got it right when he tried to act differently from the world for the sake of the gospel. For we Christians are set apart. and We do not always fit into the world in which we live. We are different from the people of this world And that's one of the reasons that the world will always hate us. But we are not called to be removed from the world. Instead, we are to live as aliens in the world, strangers in a strange land. Think about this. It is strange to live in a world where young people go to a party, but refuse the alcohol when it is served or the drugs when they are offered. It is alien in our culture to wait until marriage before becoming sexually active. It is even thought to be weird, you're all weird, to forgo sleep on a Sunday morning just to get up and come here to listen to an Englishman preach. And it's strange not to steal from work when others around you do it. It's strange to honor your father and your mother when the world says that is so old-fashioned and it is different, not to abide by the business ethics that caused so much damage in the recession a few years ago. And it is alien. It is alien to speak for justice on behalf of those aliens who seek to live in our land, to seek and speak for peace in the face of war, to proclaim life in the face of a culture of death, or to advocate for justice for those who demand the death penalty. But then, but then we are Christians. Christians live in the world, but they are not of the world. We are followers of the one who has called us into new life with him so that we might know whose we are and to whom we belong. We don't have to imitate Simon's deletes and hide away on top of a pole. But we also, we also do not have to be like everyone else. As followers of this one who has called us from death into life, we are called to obedience in this world by living in it and proclaiming the power of that same life-giving word. We are followers of Jesus the Christ. We belong to God because of that we are not of this world but even as Jesus prepares to remove himself physically from this world he's also preparing to send the disciples out in his place protected by the Father and supported by the Spirit it will be the disciples task to be the salt and light and truth to a world which desperately needs all three the story of Simon Stelites still amuses me but not in the same way it did when I was a child for now I understand the intent of Jesus to make disciples of all nations by sending out his followers by sending out you and me out into this world so that it may hear the word of grace and love and forgiveness, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. For the powerful, the powerful life-giving truth of the gospel is not only found in the stories of saints who gave their lives or lived in different ways, like Simon sitting on top of his pole. Rather, it is proclaimed by all those who do not belong to the world but are sent out into that world for the sake of that world. Jesus prays his prayer again this day, a prayer for his disciples as they are sent out into the world, a prayer for those of us who labor now in this world that we may have the grace and the strength to live out our commission of proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ until he comes again. The world needs to hear us. The world needs to hear the truth of God's grace in the gospel of Jesus Christ. The world needs us to be the ones going into it, to be the salt and the light and the truth. That's our call. Not to live on a pole apart from the world, but to go into the world Proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord of all. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.